You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Hello and welcome to Line Noise. Uh, I recently caught up with the Chicago house legend K. Alexi Shelby. Yes, him, uh, who is mentioned in Daft Punk's Teachers, uh, to talk about uh, the early days of Chicago house, his incredible mentors and how he keeps his music nice and rough. Uh, his recent EP, uh, BM11, was released on Bad Manners Records on May 26th. Uh, check out, it's great. And we also got into that. Uh, and I hope you enjoy the interview. It's a real pleasure to speak to you, speak to you today. <coughs> um, I'm really excited about it. If you. You don't, if you don't mind, I, was, I, I wanted to sort of go back a bit to, you know, the start of your, of your career, <laughs> which is, okay. uh, yeah. So I heard that you were, when you were just 12, you started hanging out with uh, people like Ron Hardy and Frankie Knuckles. Is that, is that true? Yeah, it's been that long. It's <laughs> been that long. I was very fortunate. Uh, a friend of ours in the neighborhood recognized, well, actually, he thought it was amusing at first that somebody my age loved the music as I did. Like, just immediately hearing it was like, just amazing. And one of the first songs I heard was Martin Circus Disco Circus. And I was just like, oh, my God, what is this song and energy involved? And it was just like incredible. So, yeah. So, the, yeah, the, so then he took me to the club and <laughs> and uh, he said, I got something. He said, I'm going to come to your house. I'm thinking he's going to tell me something. And he said, get dressed. I'm, I'm taking you. Son. I said, Mom, I'm not going to let me go anywhere. He said, well, just don't say anything. So I. Okay, I'm curious now. And so, uh, all right, I, I overdo the me saying goodbye. You know, you do, all right, see you later. I wait for him to come back. I get dressed. She's sleeping. Her and my dad are sleeping. I sneak back out. Yeah, we were living in, a, in an apartment building there. So it wasn't too hard to do it. I had been doing it ever since then, once I got a taste of it, though. But, uh, yeah, so he takes me. And um, <laughs> it's a big, long line. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm walking with him. And, they, and then as I'm walking in, because I was always short for a long time. So I really looked like a kid. He was like, and but the guy, neighborhood drug dealer, he says uh, he's with me. And the guy looks at him and said, OK, going in. Everybody doesn't lie. Like, what the fuck? What's going on with that? So he takes me in there and he said, when we, you know, we, in, the, in the walkway part, he says, when we get in here. I don't know why he didn't tell me this in the car. But I guess it had more of an impact once we're about to walk in. He says, don't eat nothing, don't touch nothing, don't drink nothing. All right. And now, it's like when somebody tells you something, you get super thirsty and super hungry. But they had the fruit, the aisle, the whole table with fruit on everything. And uh, everybody was saying it was laced with LSD and shit. And it really, and come to find out when I saw another friend of mine do his interview, he said, oh, yeah, we will put shit in the smoke machine and on the fruit. He didn't admit to the fruit. Which of course they did, but he said he did say that they put it in the smoke machines. And that that was a thing that they did back then. And it was just, I don't know if that's either my first time seeing it, you know, seeing it a club atmosphere, if that had anything to do with it, or if it was just the moment. And I'm pretty sure that the adrenaline for me seeing like like when they yelled, I just yelled too. I'm like, okay, this is what you do. Yeah, I'm all trying to join in and fit in. I'm, I'm standing up against the wall, 
and he had went off somewhere. So it's just me. And I never did really move from that spot my first time. I'm just watching. And I was just like, oh, my God. And I guess I could feel my body going to the beat and everything. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. I'm like, I'm an adult. <laughs> I'm an adult. So what was, what was the music back then? Was it still sort of late disco, early house? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is there like one record you remember from that time you were in the club? Martin Circus. Of Martin Circus Dis- Martin Circus Disco Circus was was what I heard on a mixtape that he had at my friend's house because he was the older brother. And they all, you know, saw that I liked it. So okay, it was that. And then when I when I heard uh uh, uh the song Clouds, it's just amazing. It's just a, a plethora of songs. And um like it's like music is such a time machine that when I hear it even to this day, it just takes you right back to that moment. Like literally, uh, I remember getting older and still going, like I had started smoking. I was smoking these, these what they call clove cigarettes. And when, I didn't know they were cigarettes, what the smell was. I thought it was incense because clove cigarettes, like when I think cigarettes, I'm thinking American cigarettes stink like shit and make your clothes and all this stuff. When I smell clove cigarettes, I'm like, this is like incense. Cool. So I started smoking those for a while until I just like, I right, still smoking. Smoking sucks ass, so I'm not, not going to do it. But uh, for a while, though, I was doing it, and, and I think it was nostalgia. Like, it, it helped me get that ingrained in my memory, and I, I found out later that I didn't need that at all. Like, it was already in me, and it was just such a wonderful time. It was it was the beginning of house, of what we know to be house, and and uh, everybody was doing it. All my cool friends were doing it, and all the cool people who I wanted to be my friends, who I admire so much, were doing it. And I was just like, once I made my way to meet these people, to be around them, I had to know them. I had to like I would go over Robert Owens and Larry Hurd's house. That's when they were living together, and I would just had to know them and had to ask questions. You, know, you hear records like I another record, um, Washing Machine by Larry Heard by Fingers Inc. So it's such an abstract work of art. It's just it's just one of those one of those ones for me that I that I just that just oh it just got into me. And I'm like, how does he play like that? Because it's not one two three four one two three four. It's not uniform like that. It's just all over the place, but still driving in that straight line at the same time. So how did this transform into you making your first record in 1987? Because my cousin, Mr. Lee, who made Get Busy and, and Pump Out of Chicago, Pump Out of London, all that stuff, he made, he said, oh my God, uh, it's the new thing. And so all of us were the same way. We like, everybody's doing it. Okay, so we figured, everybody, you know, we doing it too. So he went and got some equipment and because uh, we we were, you know, my family's pretty music orientated. So we were like, they had a band and stuff and they would play, you know, the music for my grandmother. And so they, had, you know, everybody knew what to do as far as a band, but drum machines came and it was like, oh my God, look what you can do by yourself. By yourself, you can make something. So by me following him, we were close like brothers instead of like cousins. Yeah, we were more like brothers. And, um, so whatever he was doing, I was doing. So thank God he went that route. Yeah, thank goodness he went that route. And oh. yeah, so that made it great. 
I'm wondering what it's like to make a house music record in 1987. Because, you know, obviously, if you make one today, you've got 30 years of history, nearly 40 years of history to look back on. But like back then, you know, did Let you me explain that part to you, because I'm, I'm a unique case for this. OK, everybody was doing it and it was like a cookie. It became cookie cutter. It wasn't it had to be at this tempo. You had to use this drum machine. You had to use 909 or, you know, anything in the Roland family. And tell people just you know couldn't afford that or couldn't find it, so they end up using the Yamaha or things like that. So it had to be that. But the more and more I went out, which I was addicted at that point of, of I, the the nightlife and everything, and that that kind of like was the separation because me and Lee had formed a risque rhythm team, and we had, we we met Mitch Ball. And lied and said we had records when we didn't say we had music and we didn't. And he gave us a deal. So we went home and made all that stuff, the whole EP in one night, which I'm used to that now. But um, and I always tell people, I said the Jack and Zone probably was one of the last songs that we did for the EP. And the only reason why that got done in that way was because we were taking a break. And the Twilight Zone came on television. And I'm always a jokester. So I started doing the Rod Serling voice. And um, Lee was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Let's do that on the track. I was like, oh, um, okay, fine. So we did it. I changed words around. And it ended up being a huge deal, especially in London. Like, London embraced it more than anybody's, like, radio shows and everything. I hear there's even a festival to Jack and Zone now. I'm like, man, we need to be involved in some of that. Like I tell Joe Smooth, another one of my big brothers who I cherish, um, Promised Land is a whole festival. I'm like, how are you not involved? Like, how, how is that? Uh, going back to when you first heard the music, can you mm. pinpoint what it was that, that appealed? The fact that somebody looked like me. Somebody looked like me did it from where I'm from. Then I'm like, it just clicked out of excitement. I would say even some arrogance. I knew some of the people I'm like, if, that, if he can do it, surely I can do it. And not, not even so much to put them down, but it actually lifted me up to be like, I can do this too. And once you figured out what they had to do it, you know, what they used, the equipment, Oh, shit, I'm getting this. What'd you say else you got? You getting that too? Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, so we got the equipment and I was on it. I was super on it. It strikes me that back then there was sort of quite a friendly spirit of competition. Is that right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, even now. I remember being at the party before we even knew about, oh, you can get this on a record. We all had cassettes in our pockets. Pocket full of cassettes with the tracks on them. Play my next, play my next. And I was DJing barely, but I was, you know, people waiting in line to play a stuff. Like, if I was DJing more, I could play my own stuff. Hell yeah, I'm going to, you know, do that. You know, DJing was fun, but once you, you know, realize you could play your own stuff, and I must admit, <laughs> women loved it. You know, women loving it. So I'm like, oh, that's all I need to hear. I'm, I'm yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, definitely did a lot of it for the for the women, especially um, Essence of a Dream. Essence of a Dream was done as one of my biggest records, it's, and there was nothing like it at first. So it was done because 
in my mind how I wanted it was done about a real person, but it was how I wanted her to be. Like she wasn't like any of that stuff. Probably is now, I'm sure. And we still speak every now and then. So funny. And she still blushes when she hears the song and everything. It's a cool thing. But when I did that record, I tell people all the time, I said, I said when I'm writing the record, it, it was a couple of instances where the record wasn't going to get done. Like one was the lyrics. It was for me that all songs still to this day, beginning, middle, end, I suppose that same thing as book format. It had to make sense. So I was up writing lyrics late, at, you know, late. And then I was like, I can't do this. It's not making sense. The instrumentals, the music sounds great. Let's go make an instrumental. So I said, okay, I'm not going to do it. And I was getting sleepy. Then Lee had called me and he says, uh, hey, what you doing? I said, I was working on this song, blah, 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 blah. So I had him chill out. And he said, all right, I'm finna go so you can finish the song. I'm like, nah, fuck that song. He said, no, do the song. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he gets off the phone, I'm hanging up the phone. I'm going to bed. But I thought about what he said. And it just stuck. And I said, you know what? I'm going to finish the song. So I finished the song. We get to the studio. I'm excited. Music's going well. But we go over time in the studio and they're like, yeah, your time's up. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Words go in the song. Lyrics go in the song. They're like, well, who's saying them? I said, me. They said, you're out of time. Can you just come back and do it? No, I have to do it right now. They're like, if you care if we do this for you, you have to get it right in one take. Say less. I got my little pad, stand in front of the microphone, clear my throat. Bam, the words come out. And it's my first time doing it. It's my first time doing lyrics. And the engineer, my guy, uh, Rob McKay, is looking, they're looking back at me. And I can't tell if it sucks because of the looks on their faces. And they just standing there, just mouth open, just looking. And I'm like, it's just, I'm just going to get through it. I do the words and everything. And <laughs> I'm thinking that what I wrote must really be terrible because they're not saying anything, not that I can hear them anyway, but it's the look on their faces. Oh, cool. Get to the end of the song, come out the booth, and uh, they say, oh my God, that was amazing. I'm like, for real? I said, I couldn't tell by your faces. I said, you made me think it was terrible. I get The director comes out, huge heel, huge hit, and uh, I was still in high school my last year, and it rang through the school that I did it about the girl, and she was so embarrassed because everybody was talking about it. It was played on the radio uh big brother farley farley jack master funk bless him up for that he would play the record all the time i'm like a lot of times from beginning to end like he'd be in the mix but he'd still play the record once i came down to the radio station just to say what's up to him because i was down that way he said yo what's up it's my little brother k alexi and he goes looking for the record he didn't have it in front like he thought he did. oh i think because he put he had played it already so he put the records you know from front to back he goes and looks for the record he acted like we're at home dead silence on the radio which is a no-no or radio he didn't give it he didn't care about any of that he looked for the record i'm like what is he doing found it pulls it out plays it. he's in my favorite record plays it from the beginning and i'm like oh my god that's that's what you was doing this whole time the record comes on everybody's just you, you, like at that time they're really cracking down on underage anything in club so it made it harder so, you know, to just get in. And I lost my connect with my guy to get in. I made some connect. So I, I didn't get in every time as I wanted to at, during that time. But when I could, I definitely did. You know, once you got the bug, that was it. And so we would walk around this area of downtown called Rush Street in a huge circle, just teenagers walking in a circle from one side of the street, we cross the street, go to the other side. 
And the people who were lucky enough to have the cars and everything would have the radio station turned to one station, BMX. And you could hear my record. It's like one gigantic radio, one gigantic voice of me. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's me. And everybody talked about it and everything. <laughs> Unbelievable. You once said that a lot of people have made love to Essence of a Dream, right? I was going to, I didn't know how much, I don't know how much time we have, but people would say that to me. And I didn't get that because for me, it was a personal love, open love letter for me to this girl. That's it. I just had to get it off my chest. I'm cool. But when people started to say that to me, like I got stopped on the street and everything. And I'm like, I'm thinking it's a joke or it's a one-off. That couple's crazy. Thank you anyway. But when people start saying it, or when girls told me, as we're in the midst of it, she says, say the words. And I'm like, what words? I'm thinking she's saying, say, I love you. And I'm like, I ain't saying that to you. And she like, I said, I said, I love you. She's like, no, not that. She says, say the words. And I'm like, I don't know what words you're talking about. I'm like, now you're running the mood. And she said, the song, say the song, sing the song. And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. Of course, I say the song, I say the words, it goes over extremely well. She's ex- extra, extremely grateful. And then I realized that's when it, I think it clicked the power of it, the power of what I could say. And I didn't have to sing because that was, I just said, I'm going to say a poem over this music. And that's how that ended up being a thing. I would read the back of records and for lyrics and wondered like, I don't Wow, what a what a beautiful line! Like one of my favorite records, anything by Prince, of course. Uh, international one, international lover, do me, baby, songs of the time. Like if you wanted to get a girl, you had to have those on cassette. So, but it was one of the songs. Uh, I want you to want me, like I want you. Is is uh, what a beautiful line just in itself with Marvin Gaye, and I'm like, wow, is that not what everybody wants? Like for somebody to want you, like you want them. Well, granted, not hurting yourself or something, because there's some crazy things out here that I, you know, find out late, way later on. But it's just that. Another funny thing about the song is I say the line about a golden shower. I had no idea what a golden shower was. I just thought it was a cool line. So I say it, and I, it's so funny. And the radio played it over and over. Years later, I find out what a golden shower was. And I laughed so hard. Because the radio was playing and everybody was saying the lines and everything is so crazy. And I said, I think I only told a few people this. I said, man, you know what's crazy? I said, what's that? Besides you saying you want somebody to piss on you. I said, how you know I wasn't doing the pissing, first of all. And I said, I started to say a chocolate cloud. (laughs) I said, said, a golden shower, a chocolate cloud must be something too. Maybe Maybe I should say that. Yeah, that's something I'm making up. A chocolate cloud. Then I thought about if a golden shower is a golden shower, then a chocolate cloud. Yeah, you don't want that. No way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hey, hey. Well, whatever, whatever, whatever. The, the internet comes and you get to find out. Yeah, some people do want that, and so it's uh, it, it was just a wild time. Even now, I think about that record, and this, it was so liberating to get that off. So what did you what did your family make your music? You say you come from a very uh, musical family. Just singing, just because that was part of the ritual. Like for most Black American families, when you're sleeping all good over the weekend and you hear that music come on, either it's church music or it's R&B, and when you hear that music come on, that means it's time to get up and start cleaning up. That's your cue. Hear my mom or my dad would play jazz. 
my mother would definitely play R&B. And when you can hear that and it gets a little loud and she turns up to make sure that you can hear it, come on out here. So she would do that. And that's what I'm, you know, so I'm singing with my mom and everything and cleaning up to make it fun. And so, yeah, me and my brothers and sisters. So, yeah, definitely, definitely good times. I love her to death. That's my best friend. Fast forward a a couple of years um, and you Mm -hmm. produced Vertigo, another song that's incredibly, incredibly well known. What do you what do you remember about making that track? Everything. I did the whole EP in two days. Wow. Two days. Well, here's it. Let me let me explain that. I had to do it that fast. At that point, I was living in what I call my college years of music. I was living in my like it's like a college dorm. I was living with Marshall Jefferson, Mike Dunn, Bam Bam, and Byron Stingley, and all of them. Farley, all of them would come to the house. It was like a musical house. Motown was the house, and so many people would come over there. and And having all those people in the house was great until you're the low man on a totem pole, which I was. I'm the I'm little K and there's the, all these great artists in the house doing right. And so when, when I got studio time, I had to steal it. I had to steal studio time. So when nobody was in there, I would go in the studio and make stuff. And I, I got to be fast with it because it's, nobody wanted to do studio stuff until they heard me in there. Now, oh, okay, yeah, let me come finish my song. Okay, fine. And I'm a low man on the total pole, so I can't say nothing. Plus, I just made my way in the house. Like, I just came over there, and before you know it, I just stopped going home. So I lived there. I made myself a little room in the basement. I cleared out some storage room they had, cleared the whole thing out, put a little bed in there and everything. Before they knew it, I was living there. Like, what? what? Kate just lives here now? <laughs> it was that type of vibe. But it was so good. I learned so much from those guys, and it was just an amazing... I tell you, um, I don't know if you've heard the song um, Kiss the Dragon, but that's Marshall's song about me from during that time. I didn't got, know. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, he says my name and everything, and he talked about it because, and you don't know your influence. That's my influence back on him. On somebody like that, I influence him. Just amazing time. So I, I do the record, and it's just, but I didn't want to put it out with somebody from Chicago because that's what everybody was doing. And a friend of mine, had, Andre Hallman, had introduced, he said, I got this friend from Detroit named Derek May, he comes up here, his, his, his parents live in Chicago, so he's up here quite a bit, and I, and I know him, he said, you mean you could put stuff on his label? I didn't know Derek, I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Cool, Detroit, all right, fine, let's do it. And then, so I meet Derek, I play the stuff, he loves it, he flies me to Detroit, because I had already done the stuff, but what I didn't know was that when you take the master through a damn metal detector, that that throws the sink off. So by the time I get to Derek's house, the lyrics and beats flying all over the place. Everything was just off Jenga. We had to put that back together. He let's say he was not happy. The track was cool, but that's why all for Lisa. Um, I do believe there were more words, more lyrics to that, but we couldn't, you know, couldn't put that stuff back together. In that song, all for Lisa, I got parts of washing machine going backwards and everything, which was. Once I heard you can do records backwards and everything, that was my huge signature. Even to this day, steal parts of lyrics backwards just to make people think and wonder, you know, don't make, I don't want to make it easy for you. So I was doing things like that. And so that made it, that made it fun though. Once it, once it all came together and it ended up being like another huge deal for me 
Derek at the time. I had called him because I think about two weeks had went by and I hadn't heard anything. And I'm like, hey, how's my how's my record doing? You know, I took a big chance going out of Chicago. I could have did it in Chicago and everybody, you know, everybody knows. And Derek tells me, I never forget this. He says, oh, man, I got a warehouse full of those records. It's not selling. Dead silence. I'm just crushed. Still young, still finding my way. Second record. I'm like, okay, what do you say to that? What do you say to that? Hang up the phone. Armando Gallup, Land of Confusion. I'm going to dish you right now. All that stuff. So he comes to me, comes over to the house. He said, man, that record is killer. I'm like, what record? He says, the all is that whole record. Everything. Vertigo, Mama Dusa. It's all good. He said, I'm playing everything on it. I'm like, really? And that was it. Once he said that, it's like a tidal wave came. And then everybody was saying exactly. And it was like, it's amazing. It's phenomenal. I'm like, oh, my God. And it was so simple. Just two things. The 303, the 808. Just, just that. So when I see these people on social media, they got the big fancy studio, but I never hear any music. Oh, I hear the music. I'm like, that's what you made? You got a huge studio looking like an airport, and this is what you made. Well, that, that interests me. How do you make music these days? Is it very different, or is it still kind of similar to how you did it back I'm, in? I'm touring, and that's what made me change. I was very adamant about, oh, because the computer age had kicked in about people doing stuff about, you know, on the computer. And I was against that because I'm like hardware. I have to touch feel the equipment. And I was against that. But I had I had moved to London and I was didn't realize how sad I was without music, without the, the art of creation. I was very sad. And it was like my friends noticed and he was he said, hey, got this guy. He makes music sort of. He's not like you, but he makes music and he has some equipment. It's computer, but you'll still be able to do some stuff like you want. The guy will be thrilled to, you know, to have you work on this stuff. He said, let me tell you this, though. If he's taking his medication, he's the sweetest guy. If he's not taking his medication, you will know. I'm like, what kind of medication? He said, he's a bit schizophrenic. All right, fine. I don't care. I just want to make the music. So I meet the guy. He's a bit odd. And he's teaching me things, though because I had never done stuff on the computer, he's teaching me about MIDI. But he's he's not soulful. He's not, he's not like me. He's not from where I'm from. So he was taking these songs and he was playing the MIDI notes and it was coming out and I was like, that's interesting. But it was sounding all like elevator versions. And I'm like, I didn't get that. I'm going to redo this song, add my own drums. Add a, I, didn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't putting it together again. I was so tunnel visioning. I just want to make music. I don't really need you. I'm using your stuff. Just, just show me how to do stuff. And then I learned how to work it on computer. And I was like, this thing ain't so bad. And plus I'm making stuff. And I'm like, man, okay. And they didn't have a 303 as a plug-in back then. So I, I found something that was just as powerful. I don't remember the plug-in because it wasn't my stuff. But I just knew, yeah, the blue ones, whichever that was. And they made a 303 sound. So I'm like, oh my goodness. So now I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm This whole computer thing ain't that bad. Because like I said, I started touring. And I could take stuff with me. So that made it easier, you know, instead of sitting in a room like I was back in the States, a room full of glorified equipment on all day, electric bills were ridiculous. And so that made it easier. And I started to gravitate more toward that because I can do it on the go. One thing that I've always loved about your music, 
um, you know, from Vertigo to the new EP, BM11, is that it's got a sort of roughness to it. And I mean that in a very good way. Like, it's not, there's sort of something a bit wild, a bit rough. Raw is, is what it is. Because right. it's raw. What mm. I'm doing is, I don't want all polished. I don't, I mean, I could, I could do that. I got some things, though, definitely, that I'm working on now. And I got some things, but people gravitate towards the rawness. Like I played some things for Moody Man when I went. I had did a party, booked them, and I I pick him up from the airport. And on the way from the air from uh, to the hotel, got him and his girls in the back. Hilarious, that's my guy. And he's listening to the stuff in the car, and he's like, "Hey, whose 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 music is he listening to?" I said, "Mine." No, he said, "What song is?" It? I said, "It's mine." He said, "And the song before that?" I said, "All of this is me." And everybody in the car was like, oh, my God, really? So it's like, I said, yeah. So, I mean, he said, man. And then it got to this track called uh, Move It. And he said, I, he said, I want that one. And I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. He said, I want that, I want that track. And he said, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss the details later. He said, pull that to the side. I want that. And so he, man, made me an offer. It was great. As a matter of fact, one of the best offers in this day and time because he didn't want my music forever. And that's that's one of the problems. I don't do deals where people get my music forever, which is why I suppose I'll never be on Defected or any of these other labels because you know, to want something that comes from someone's soul forever just reeks of slavery. And I said, I said, I'm never signing another slave contract. I signed some pretty wicked shit back in the day, not knowing. Like I took a lot of the upfront money, not knowing the longevity of my career, how it would go, how it would be, or the impact. That is the thing. I didn't recognize the impact on what I did in a room by myself, how that would impact somebody else in another room having a hard day, how they listed that record. I don't I tell my son, I don't know many occupations where people say you've changed my life for the better in a good way. I didn't know that, you know, so that's that right there. And now, okay, now I'm tied to this person. I've been in plenty of relationships sadly none none of them lasted 10 damn years now i'm in a relationship with a record company they want they you want me for 10 years and that's the lighting and people want so now when i deal with record companies i say five-year deal if that's what you want tell me your five-year plan if you want me for five years what are you going to be doing because i'm in the klx shelby business i wake up and go to sleep to this in my sleep i'm still me i'm still promoting me what are you going to do for me for five years and just as I thought, I think that just that's just the word just rolls off their tongue so easily. When for me, that's this from my soul, everything, all of it, every beat, every note, all of that, for better, for worse. And I've seen the power now. I know the power of my name. I said it's not just the music and this fast-paced age of looking for music online. You're gonna stop on a name that you know first, first and foremost. And so I know that power that I wield for that. And then once they they hear it, I've never done a record where it's just like one song, no one sided, because records cost always. My theory was records cost a lot, and I always want to give way more to the fans. I want them to have more because they deserve that. Especially those people who stuck by me this whole time. I've made careers. Like there's been some people who mimic my style, my whole sound, and made whole careers off me. So I'm I'm not I'm not disillusioned to to what I've done for the culture. And I'm all about the culture. 
Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna mention the new, uh, the new EP again. What's your favourite song of it? I mean, do you have a favourite song? Mine is "We Bang." Of course, yeah, I, I, I love that. In its simplicity, in its simplicity, it is just the groove. And like I said, when I get in that vein of music, I, it, it just the well. I call it the well from which I drink when I'm making that. Is my days back to, to those clubs. To, even to rave days. Like I miss those days of simple raves. Like not all the whole camera in your the phone in your hand and taking pictures and all that stuff. It and it and not a fancy club. It was a strobe like sweaty dance floor. If you're lucky, porta potty, girls with, with backpacks all on and, and acid suckers and all of that shit. And it was just uh, it was so simple. And it wasn't about the money. It was really about the time so those those days when i'm when i'm playing raised because even in my career i was one of the early ones still now i didn't i never just made house i've always made i'm, I'm i got down tempo things that some people know about some don't because they have an idea of me in their head but like they think they know but for those that really know me they're like it's hard to tell and people assume because i make things at the speed that I make it, that it isn't good. They tend to get those confused. I'm like, you're missing the point of me doing this for decades. And I'm like, so you're you're cutting that whole part out of me doing it. And when I have people in my home in the business and the way the business is, there's a lot of people doing this with their name on it, but they really didn't do it. That makes my flesh crawl just hearing that. I'm like, I'm doing stuff, it's me. It's really me. And when they when they come to my house and they see it to me, they be like, oh my God, they're like, this dude is crazy. He's, he's making stuff. I don't say no names, but they're here and it's big time people. And they're like, Can, to see me really do it, first of all, I'm going that fast because it, it's my stuff. I know what my plugins are for the most part. And I'm, I don't really know what sound. It just, it comes. And I'm recording in my head because going back to the house, low man on the totem pole, I had to do it in my head first before I had time to get to the studio. And by the time I started to go to the studios, you get that bill, you're like, shit, I need to start thinking ahead. You don't get in there and start, well, I guess I'll make TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. It's costing you money. So I learned to record in my head. And then I just started using it for situations. It's like when people say, oh, I take myself to my happy place. If I'm arguing with my lady back then or whatever, and she just blah, 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 I just check out. And just start recording. I just go to my happy place. I'm recording. Or if I'm arguing with my parents and they were just saying something or if whatever, some teachers teaching something that's just trash. I'm just like, oh, and I'm recording. I would do that a lot when I lived in Berlin. Like people, I don't speak any language. And I've lived, I've lived all over the world in some, some fantastic places. If I like a place, I just end up staying for at least for a year or two and just, just to observe the place and, uh, you know, hang out. I've been fortunate enough to have that. So I would do that and I don't speak the language and they would start speaking another language for me and I wouldn't care. I'd like, they like, oh, we're sorry. We started speaking. I said, it doesn't matter. I'm said I was someplace else anyway. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. So once you start recording your head, you do it all the time. So my thing now is I'm a huge movie, movie buff person. And so I want to get my, my stuff now in film. So I, I've been recording for the last, I would say, over 10 years now recording with textures and I use sounds that 
transcend and for lack of a better term are more visual you know i want you to see the music and i think even like that i song titles i got in my phone on my notes a list of titles and then i work backwards i'd be like now what does this song sound like or the moment i got moments in my life and i'd be like oh my goodness such a beautiful moment what does this moment sound like what would it sound like and then i, I work from there uh, our time is running out sadly <laughs> sorry no, no, it's it's great. I've got so much more I could ask, but I've got to ask: Where on earth did you get that amazing T-shirt? And uh, can the rest? Uh, of yes, my logo. Uh, my friend Stephanie Curry made this for me, and we were selling them online for a while because I just had it for myself. And then people start saying what you said, and then we had to stop because we didn't, we couldn't keep up with the demand, and we couldn't keep up. Most of the European people wanted the shirt more than anybody. I was like. We weren't making any money, not that it was for the money, but we had to, like I said, I don't do this for the money. The money helps me continue to do it and live. But it's that the money has never been my driving force. I just want to be replayed, uh, paid for my work and my skill, but I don't think uh, money first. I would, I do this still, and I got so many, so much music I'm sitting on that I'm just doing it for me. I have to get it out of my head. <laughs> well, look, Kalexi, shall we? Chicago House legend. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to to speak to you. Um, and techno legend. And techno legend. Yes. Um, look, it's been a pleasure. Hope uh, some you soon much. you'll come play, come and DJ in Barcelona. Um, I, we, we'll talk about that. Like, I really want that. Every time I've been in Ibiza and I'm supposed to do Barcelona, something happens. Once I was there in, in the airport, yeah, had I went, I'd have been stuck in Barcelona because the airport had shut down. I don't know what you guys were doing, but I, I was in the beat the last year, wanted to go to Barcelona, something happened. So I'll be back over this year. I want to do it. We'll see what happens. I need people to reach out to me. I'm 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 accessible. Yeah, and that really is me on IG running my page. Like I don't have somebody doing it for me. That like that really is me. For better or for worse. <laughs> Well, I'm hoping. But look, for the moment it's been an absolute pleasure. Have a lovely day. Um and yeah. Hopefully we'll speak. We'll speak again sometime. For sure, for sure. And I, you, you, you email me whatever, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll keep you up to breast on on the music and everything. Perfect. Will do. All right, brother. You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Cupra.